0: big will aka uncle bumped up in the order now that tom's not here tonight we'll get to that what's going on guys this is justin
1: hey will uh i think you're thinking what i'm thinking i i think
0: uh i'm thinking you're not all alone in here with me i'm all alone in here with you (laughs) whatever the thing was that that rorschach said in the movie um yeah shout to tom He's, he's not here. Uh, he, um, he had to pull out this episode. I heard his pull-out game is real quick. Pretty oh. quick. Pretty whoa, quick. Whoa, whoa. See, it's getting East Long Island real dirty, real grimy, uh, uh, real quick right now. <laughs> um, uh, but, but, no, seriously, Tom had to pull out real quick uh, this evening. He had a, an issue uh, with his quote-unquote day job, as we like to say on the program. Shout-out to Tom. Um, you know, he'll, he'll be handling a lot of the post-production stuff. We'll get him back in the, in the horn. Uh, but, Justin, uh, enough about guys who aren't here. How yeah. are you doing? Oh, I'm doing pretty good, man. Uh, just, you know, enjoying what's left of
1: summer, uh, getting the fishing in, um, mm, you know, strong. working, but not working too hard. Okay. Working on my knots, you know, nice. my, my
0: double unis. Okay. To, you know, I was worried for your hair. I thought you were brushing your hair and something went wrong. I didn't know. You know,
1: the, we're going to have to do a long hair episode and just talk like how, all right, looks good in pictures, looks good in the video, mm-hmm. on stage, everything else in your life. It's, really really hold you back.
0: It's a lot to maintain all of this that I got going on right now. <laughs> That's right. Uh my barber shop was not open during corona. I haven't been back. I've been enjoying this uh nordic look that I'm cultivating now, but it's it works. It's, it's a little sasquatchian. It's going crazy right now, but I'm in yeah, yeah man, how
1: you doing, man? How was your weekend?
0: Uh, not as not as Sasquatchian as you out in the woods catching the fish and all that, man. I'm, I'm going to try to go fishing tomorrow. We had an interview schedule. We're trying to get an interview in tomorrow on the fly on Tuesday. That's not going to happen, so I'm going to try to go fishing and represent Heavy Hole Podcast out there uh, on the water. See what happens. Um, doing okay, man. Uh, uh, you know, perusing. Uh, uh, The different projects I've got going on Thinking about what to hype next Very excited with all of my peers and musicians Uh, We've got a lot of things bubbling As I always say But we've been hyping my own stuff enough lately Shout out to everybody You know, with all the fishing talk Uh, You know, you've been getting me reminiscing on, like, you know, going out east to Long Island. You know I mean? We always talk about going out to the city to go to shows and stuff like that. But there's a whole other half of the island. There is. There's East Suffolk County. And people might not even realize that. You know, people think about Nassau County. Or when you think East Suffolk, you think about the Hamptons and uh, kind of the ritzy places or whatever. You know, Seinfeld's hanging out, whatever, all that stuff. Yeah, cars and coffee and and what, you know. Yeah. Well, tonight I think we're going to get some guys that could give us a, a, a local flavor uh for for like maybe your uh, your yapank your mastic shirley mm. uh the finer points of east suffolk long island hardcore because uh, today we're gonna have joe rubino and dave horns uh classic uh og lineup tension LIHC members uh on the horn we're gonna ask them all about the old school glory days of the hardcore scene we're gonna ask them what they got going on now uh and what's been on their mind lately and i'm gonna uh i'm gonna give them i'm gonna give them the quick hot take because i heard they might know sal from Buckshot from back in the day. Oh,
1: thing. wow. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna bring it full circle over here now.
0: Yeah, the circle of life, like Elton John said, okay? You got a phone on you? Uh, no, why? Oh, here's one. Get him on the phone.
2: Oh! <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay slow down uh, big will here heavy hole podcast we had a little bit of a technical difficulty with this interview and we lost a scant few seconds of the beginning of this interview Dave and Joe from tension uh, right now we're going to give you the complete interview that we had with Dave and Joe from tension minus a few introductory seconds uh, and just launch right into the first question so thanks again to Dave and Joe uh, and tension Long Island hardcore oh, All right, and that was, well, I know you got the demo cassette in 1995. It's kind of like a gradual build-up when you look back at the old releases, because it's the demo in 95, Struggle Within 7-inch in 96, and that was uh, Released Power Productions put that out. Where was that label based out of?
3: Belgium, right?
0: Yeah, that was in Belgium. Yep,
2: RPP. Our first demo was actually in 94. But we Okay. Now. All right. Those were our, our test-run mm-hmm. songs, I guess you could say.
0: All right, and, and um, you know, speaking to, like, you're in East Long Island. You guys are very young. Um, it's kind of like the pre-internet age of the 90s, like we always talk about. How does a label in Belgium hook up with you guys?
3: That's a great question. Was that from John Cox?
2: I have no idea. I think, uh, you know what it probably was? And I, and I will say it. It's probably because Rick used to bootleg everyone's demo tapes and sell them across the world. 25 so I think, to life, yeah. So I'm thinking huh. maybe that that could have been a way, you know, I look at that in two different ways. And like, the way I see it is like, he was going places we weren't going. So that's, you know, I would get letters from all over the world. So that's a possibility as well, you know? That's interesting, man, because you hear these stories. In touch with them, I have no idea. Yeah,
3: the dude's name was Ferdy, I think. Ferdy, yes. From RPP. Or maybe he did neglect first. What did he do off us first? I don't remember. Cleanser.
2: Cleanser next. Yep. Yeah, I'm trying to go through the memory banks too myself. I'm trying to figure it out. I don't even know, I guess.
0: <laughs> well, that's fair enough because you guys are dropping a lot of names right now. 25 to Life, Neglect, Cleanser. We had uh, Christian McKnight and Dave Case, both formerly of Cleanser, on the on the show uh, in the last few months. And they talked a little bit about the old school scene. You guys mentioned Neglect and that the label might have worked with Neglect, another band that had foreign label interest and stuff early on in the Long Island hardcore scene scene, excuse me, you know, just getting back into it was for you guys to speak about the old school East Suffolk County hardcore scene and how that was definitely geographically and in terms of the people involved different from that world famous New York hardcore scene. People know agnostic front and Madball and so on, but uh, they might not be familiar with um, how Suffolk County and Long Island is is uh, kind of far away and different. Could you talk about that?
3: Yes. Uh, so I worked at a 7-Eleven in West Hampton. Uh, I went to Eastport High School, so I was pretty embedded in the East End. Uh, All the skater kids out East hung out in West Hampton, uh, and they'd skate around Main Street. And when I worked at the 7-Eleven, I used to bring demos. And we would just give out, or I would give out demos to all the kids that would come in and get Slurpees and stuff. So, you know, word started picking up that I was in a band and it really started to catch on out East. And I really feel like we were one of the first bands to play out there. We played in West Hampton at a place called the Galaxy, and we didn't know what it would be like. And it was packed. Um, we had Hatebreed, I think, played at yes. that show with us. Right? Those shows were great out there. Actually, the Galaxy. There was a lot of kids
2: on the East End that didn't have access to that type of stuff. So once a lot of these Long Island bands started forming, we would take those shows out there and reach yeah. kids that never really had that opportunity unless they're driving or getting driven all the way out to the city yeah. or wherever these shows were happening. We started taking them out there, which was cool. We'd play parties and beaches and uh, just odd things like basements. And
3: yeah, you'd play wherever we could. and yeah. And what's cool is, you know, the bands that were popular out towards the city would come out and play. And they had a great time, and it really built up the east end of Long Island's hardcore scene within, I'd say, two years, between 93 and 95, we'd be able to play a show in front of 500 kids out east. So, yeah.
0: Wow. Um, Yeah, and just just for the listeners, too, who might not be familiar, there's a a YouTube channel. I believe it's uh, Dokarazzi Filmography. Uh, kind of, I guess yeah. an, an Italian wording I don't know if that's somebody you guys know or just somebody who happened to be around a lot back then but they felt they have a, a big um, number of full tension sets from back in yep. the 90s all three of reunion shows in, in, the, in the 2000s and stuff uh, available on YouTube people can see like those old shows at Deja One uh, or VFW halls there's like wall to wall more kids than you really see at Long Island shows nowadays unless I'm too old to know about the shows no, at this point, uh, like at at that point,
2: I, I'd say it was pretty much at its height. That's when pretty much uh, the emo bands were playing with the hard bands, and the East bands were playing with the Nassau bands. Cause for a while, it was separated, I guess you could say, which uh, all ended when us and Tripface played a party in Mastic, and uh, we played their living room. And, yeah, uh, It was actually pretty sick. But then we all kind of got together. That's when everything kind of solidified as as like one thing but then again that's also when all the labels came in and started picking up all the bands they liked and pretty much playing godzilla with the rest of the scene you know
0: yeah um, yeah and and you mentioned um neglect neglect obviously had a big run on long island in the 90s uh right around the same time as you guys you did you play with uh, them often yeah,
3: they were around a little bit before us. I mean, I gotta be honest, John Lafada is someone that I definitely looked up to and kind of intimidated by, like trying to get on stage and playing after Neglect. Because a lot of times when you first start out, you'd go on after the headliner or you get screwed and you'd go on really, really late, two o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Neglect, they were around about two, three years before us. And then over time we developed uh, pretty good at least playing partnership with them we played a bunch of times
2: yeah definitely for a while like us vod and neglect pretty much were playing a show every weekend together pretty yeah. much at that point yep.
0: did you go out to the five boroughs a lot because it seems like you guys definitely covered long island um but i i, I don't know whether or not you played new york city and the five boroughs very often
2: uh no it, we played queens you know mm-hmm. But uh, I think around that time though was a lot of, there was there wasn't really much going on in the city and all the city bands were just coming out to us at that point, you know.
0: Yeah, cuz you see flyers from that time and you do see a lot of those city bands coming towards Long Island. The Long Island scene was very vibrant uh, back in the 90s with those yeah, definitely. VFW you know, Halls and all that sort of thing.
2: For a while that's all there was cuz New York City wasn't really doing anything, you know. And that's what I mean like we we weren't going out there like we were playing Connecticut and stuff, but there wasn't really much I think Queens was pretty much all that was really doing anything around that point, you know? Mm-hmm. Plus, we didn't really know anybody at the time. We were coming up ourselves, so we didn't know who to ask
3: or who to rub elbows with at the time either, you know? But what was big, though, I think, in the 90s, and we caught on early, was you could book a VFW hall for 300 bucks, and you could fit two, 300 kids in there. Um, so that gave us a lot of control over the shows so we were like really the booking agents and we were in the band as well um those shows were my favorite by far because they were very organic um no sound system it was just you know you set up on the floor and everybody was at equal height no stage and just went for it and the whole you know the vfw halls would get crazy
2: one time we had uh I want to say it was like 20 bands and what would happen was one band would set up across the VFW hall while the other was playing. Yeah. As soon as the other one would stop, the other band would start and then the next band would set up on the other side. So that's how we keep it running, you know?
0: Yeah, smart. Uh, you know, I, I wish, uh, you know, there's some promoters I wish would get that um, that idea too nowadays. And, 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 you know, you talk about the VFW, there's all like Elks Lodges and all these type of places where yeah. for like, From the mid 90s through probably the 2000s, when a lot of them caught on or places got vandalized and things like that, they started shutting that sort of thing down. But I'd say for a good decade, maybe longer, that kept the scene going out here on Long Island. That's a lot of the first shows I went to uh, in the late 90s and early 2000s.
2: I love those shows. It was all us, you know, we were all friends. It was was like every weekend, you know, I'd say we, we lived a pretty good life every summer it was like every weekend you know and like that's all we did that's all we knew and people came and everyone had a good time everyone knew each other you know those vfw shows were amazing you didn't have to worry about bouncers club owners you did not have to worry about no fights nothing yeah we all pleased ourselves funny that when
0: there's no bouncers there's hardly any fights right you know what i mean yeah well you know some, some sometimes cooler heads prevail uh, you know, when, when everybody's kind of has something invested in, the, in the, the scene or whatever's going on that night. Uh, but but that being said, something I did want to ask you guys about, um, you know, we've covered it on the show from time to time how in this modern era, uh, we have surveillance cameras everywhere. Everyone's got smartphones and social media, uh, and, and that's obviously a hot topic. But uh, back in the early 90s, even, even through most of the 90s, you didn't have that everywhere uh and we've talked about the relationship that that might play with violence at um at not only at hardcore shows but just live music in general how it even relates to sporting events and things like that do you guys feel that make maybe in the 90s it was a bit more of a wild climate for, for reasons like that um i'm not really
3: sure how to answer that can you repeat the question
0: uh well back in the 90s there wasn't uh so people didn't have a camera phone Uh, Everyone at the show didn't have a camera phone. Bars and and Elks Lodges and these sort of places didn't necessarily have uh, surveillance cameras. Would you say that it was a little more wild back then and there were certain shows where dangerous situations developed uh, and it it was a little more prevalent for violence before there was such uh, uh, surveillance everywhere? I
3: mean, I think we were really good at policing ourselves. Um, But yeah, I mean, once in a while there'd be some stuff. We have a, a show infamously called Stab Harbor out in Sag Harbor. Uh, I've heard of that, yeah. (laughs) We played with Day in a Life, and uh, someone got stabbed or something, I think, right? You remember Yes, yep, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, to be honest, back
2: then there were also, because listen, I have boxes and boxes of shows, so there were definitely video cameras at shows. I think the problem is the mind became weaker, and now everybody just wants to film everything and rat everybody out and just shame everybody. And back then, it was, okay, there was a fight, that's it. It's over. You know what I mean? You'll yeah. talk about it the next day, but no one's getting reported or called the cops on or, you know? I think yeah. back then, so it was different. Uh, and it was probably more violent, but a lot of the violence had to do with people who came in and picked on the wrong person, like people who didn't understand and kind of like maybe like a Guido or something was drinking at the bar and like he starts manhandling a kid that knows everybody. That's not going to go too well. You know right. what I mean? So a lot of the times... It was violence, but a lot of the times it was all of us pretty much defending each other against an outsider who came in and just like kind of pushed somebody a little too far, you know what I mean? Yeah, so I don't think it was like cold violence where people are just like knocking each other out like it became later with the uh, whole like beatdown thing I guess but you know back then it was more of a unity thing which is why we can play and not be a band and people will still come because it was more of a friendship and a brotherhood rather than a band and an yeah. audience you know what I mean
0: well that, that touches right on a quote um, I don't want to jump too far ahead but uh, I did. Uh, there was something I had to write down from one of those videos from uh, Dokarazzi Filmography on YouTube uh, yeah. it, was, it was a memorial show um, in 2013 for uh, somebody named Mike Mack, rest in peace, yeah. at Revolution in Amityville. And your singer, Mike, said um, something to the effect, I'm, I'm kind of paraphrasing, but you know, hard times start to befall us. It's all about community. And he went on to talk about how movies try to give people a false idea of the apocalypse uh, and how when hard times before you, it's, everyone's got to really come together. And I thought that was a really interesting quote, especially uh, in, in light of modern times, that kind of speaks to what you're talking about.
2: Yes, exactly. But that's always how we were. Uh, me and Mike grew up in a neighborhood where it was pretty much had to be that way, you know what I mean? Like if you didn't have like a, some sort of a, a, a friendship crew or didn't know how to fight or whatever, you were gonna get jumped or you were gonna get robbed or you you know what i mean or somebody was going to you know you were have to deal with drugs and stuff so you kind of learned earlier on that you know you know you stick with your people and they'll, they'll stick by you you know what i mean and like that's how it should be anyway but and and unfortunately it's it's a loyalty is a lost art i feel but uh that's just how it was back then and that's what we try to teach to any of our friends that we come across or would have taken on back then or stuck up for you know what i mean like stick up for the little guy type thing you know
0: yeah yeah um i thought it, i thought it really spoke to the you know just kind of like the the whole vibe of the band and you talk about your neighborhood growing up i don't want to blow up your spot and ask for your address but could you talk <laughs> a little bit about what you know what town what neighborhood that is for people maybe who don't know long island or some, you know whatever because people think about long island and they kind of think about celebrities in the hamptons uh, you know, or, or whatever else, you know?
3: Yeah, this is, uh, this is Dave. I grew up out in the Hamptons, like I had said earlier, which was a lot more tame than where Joe and Mike uh, grew up. I did spend a lot of time in their town because, you know, our parents were basically best friends, our moms, so we would constantly be at each other's house every weekend. So it was almost like I lived in Joe's town. Um, but yeah, you can kind of describe it from there. Um, well, I lived in Shirley. We grew up
2: in yeah. Shirley, and, you know, uh, uh, there was a lot of drugs at the time. So, you know, uh, where are you guys from? You guys from Long Island?
0: Uh, I'm, uh, we're, we're both in yeah, both Huntington. Both in Huntington. I'm a lifelong Huntington Station resident, yeah. Oh, uh, nice, Awesome.
2: So, you know, drugs are bad now on Long Island, but I feel like back then in, like, the 80s and 90s, I feel like because of the reservation and stuff, crack and heroin kind of, not made its debut, but pretty much was rampant in Mastic and Shirley first. Mm-hmm. So it caused a lot of people that, you know, we grew up with to to, to go astray and, you know. Yeah, we
3: we actually have a couple songs uh, the end, right, I think, it was yeah. about drug addiction and yeah. lethal injection. We uh,
2: dealt with a lot of drugs and overdose and fights and lost life and, you know, I gotta say, probably before 17, I was at more funerals and parties. Yeah. So it was, uh, but you know the people the people that i grew up with we're still friends to this day my drummer was from there and from the ice cold killers my new band uh who actually got me into hardcore you know what i mean his cousin is anthony from killing time you know what i mean like it's just a it's a it's like a web i guess you could say so i guess that that would be where your new york city long island connection would come in i guess where you were asking about new york bands and new york city bands yeah being separate. yeah but I guess, you know, because uh, that's how I got into it was because Joe was cousins with Anthony and he got me into hardcore. So that's how I discovered Mad Ball and Agnostic Front and Killing Time and Cro-Mags, which actually made me want to play bass the way I play now. It was uh, Age of Quarrel that pretty much set the tone for my, uh, for my bass playing for the rest of my life, I'd say, you know. Yeah, pretty and, much off topic to the original question but
0: well, not, not necessarily because I was you know I was getting you all, all nostalgic asking you about where you're from and you said Shirley we've we've talked we've, we've referenced uh, Mastic Shirley as we say on the show uh, that area because um, uh, my good friend uh, and drummer from one of my bands uh, Sal you guys might remember him. He, I think he, he knows some of your crew from back in the day tough guy Sal he was in perception. Um, he's,
3: oh, yeah, yeah, totally. yeah, Yeah, we know him. He's from that area. I,
0: yeah, I mean, we we roast him on the show relentlessly. Uh, we we all, we all know what type of guy. I don't know if you guys have a hot take or any uh, memories or anything. We'll ask you that.
3: I just remember the name.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's. <laughs> <laughs> these guys tried to tried to wash away the memories. It's okay, man. Um, yeah, but that's you know. He, he well, he told me to ask you guys about Stab Harbor. Um, yes,
2: the man. Yep.
0: The the yep. infamous show, you know, and and uh, another, but really another nice. thing that he kind of gave me a little tip on maybe getting back more into the the reminiscing on the old school uh, days. Uh, he said, Joe, that you're actually in uh, the video for the Bloodlet song, Holy Rollin Homicide. Yes, actually I am.
2: <laughs> what, was that at a show <laughs> or up. something? No, what it was was uh, the guy who filmed it. I'm friends with the uh, director of the video. Uh, I played a. <laughs> truck-driving, serial-killing priest. <laughs> yeah, you know that's what I mean? So yeah, uh, yeah. It's a weird concept, but, you know, those guys were cool. And it's funny because I, I didn't even meet them when I did the video, but they recognized me from their video when I was at their show. They're like, hey, it's the guy from our video. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how I met those guys. I didn't meet them when I did the video. They actually pointed me out.
0: Wow, all right, that's interesting. I got I to gotta go back and look for that, man. Uh, I love Bloodlet, man, great band. They used to play Long yeah. Island, right?
2: Uh, yes, yeah. I don't think we ever played with them. We never played with them. I just did the video, and I yeah. met them that at their show. But uh, I you know I don't know. I don't think they're from. Where are they from? I don't even Florida. know where they're from.
0: Florida. Florida. Yeah, they they yeah. got you know they got around. They're back together. Um, but but you know, getting back to other bands, you guys played with. You talked before about how the scene got to a point where the the more melodic. I guess you could say quote-unquote Screamo or whatever you want to call them type bands from the 90s were playing shows with you guys. Because you guys, obviously, you guys, Neglect, you guys always had like a, a more kind of a blue collar, um, straight up in that, like you said, the Cro-Mags type of appeal, whereas Long Island started getting more into bands like Silent Majority, later on Glassjaw, that sort of thing. Was there ever a rift? Or was there ever uh, you know a, a, a time where those bands wouldn't come together at all? Um...
3: I guess there was in the beginning. Um, I don't think when we first started playing, it was like. It was hard to get shows out there with those bands, right? Song Majority Neglect, VOD. Yeah. The there was definitely a, a disconnect between Nassau and Suffolk County. Um, they looked at us as like the tough
2: guy, thug, <laughs> hardcore, I, you know what I mean? I guess they didn't expect us
3: to be how we are. So, what, we, yeah, go ahead. Okay, ahead. you go. No, what we would do is. We decided you know what, we're gonna to go to shows so we started going to their shows and giving out flyers and that's really kind of what got everything going was the old-school guerrilla marketing showing up you know shaking hands giving out flyers and we just wanted to show people that our reputation is definitely not how we are um, that whole tough guy thing just that's not my style for sure
0: yeah, um, and well, that's what I'm getting at is there's always different perceptions of things, especially back in the day. Uh, and, you know, getting towards the, the band's kind of, I guess you could say aesthetic or the, the you know, the lyric, the, the perception of the band or the perspective uh, that the band takes. As you go through the years, um, through the, the, the different albums the band has put out, uh, you could tell, you know, maybe, you know Mike obviously isn't here, but lyrically, uh, the, pers- the perspective shifts from more of like that personal uh, you know, like you said, drug drug addiction, society, things like that. It seems to get very heavy and political. Um, I don't want to speak for Mike or for the band, but is that fair to say that as the as the uh, discography goes on and the albums progress, uh, there's there's a little bit more of like an intellectual nature to to the lyrics, dissecting society and what may or may not be going on behind the scenes. Yes,
2: actually, I've I, in the in the early days of tension, I wrote a lot of those lyrics, and then Mike came in later and formed his ideas on it, you know what I'm saying, and started going in his own direction. Mm -hmm. Uh, A lot of that had to do, our father was very big into like Nostradamus type stuff and like, so I was introduced to like the man who saw Tomorrow and how they talked about nuclear war and that pretty much sent my mind into a spin. I would have nightmares about nuclear war pretty much every single day for the rest of my life. Mm crazy you know so so i was very heavily into that ideology before i even had a band you know what i mean that one day somebody was going to nuke new york city and basically that was going to be it you know what i mean wow or you know but like that was always like i would that was like a recurring nightmare as i i guess as i was almost like uh, sarah connor and terminator when she's like watching <laughs> the city get destroyed and the girls on the uh the uh, swing set you know what I mean like definitely graphic type stuff but that's where I would get a lot of that stuff for for the lyrics but yes you know I'm definitely uh how the normie would say a conspiracy theorist I've definitely have you know studied things that the government was doing and then say hey I think people should know about it and put it in a song or or whatnot but me and Mike are very heavily into uh that type of stuff, I guess you could say
0: yeah um, and and what you just said, you know the Sarah Connor dream and that sort of stuff the, the recurring nightmares about nuclear uh, bombs hitting New York City it seems reflected uh, visually on the on some of your artwork and and lyrically um, it, def- it definitely kind of links up with uh, what what you guys what I was getting at with the question um, that being said, uh, your guys, you're, if I'm not mistaken, you're working on a new album or you've completed a new album. Is it called The Apocalypse Demos?
3: That was a working title. I think we may change that. Okay. Um, but yeah, the, the theme throughout Tensions history, I think you pretty much nailed it. In the early years, was kind of drug addiction, hard times. Um, and then as we went on, it started getting more into, I don't want to say religious undertones, but... We've always had an end of the world aspect to what we play. Um, And I think the way things are now, it's a perfect time, and Joe agrees too, this is a perfect time for us to put out something new in consistency with what we've already done as far as messaging goes.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, what I find so interesting about it is it's something that, um, it's a message that or an aesthetic that you might find uh, common in maybe what people call war metal, certain aspects of black metal, uh, yeah. you know. But but you guys are you know straight up and down for in the hearts and minds of a lot of your fans a blue collar Long Island hardcore band. Uh, yeah. But it shows that you can lend your mind to uh, more than just um, you know the I guess the stereotypical blue collar uh, sentiments. You know what what people might think of as, as like maybe like your usual oi fodder you know the six pack and the working man that sort of thing
2: yeah 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 i mean I, i i can only write about what i know and that was pretty much my brain pretty much was fried from in those days i guess when it came to that type of thing. You anxiety, know what I mean? So yeah. yes. So, well, not not so much anxiety, but you know, I'm, I was very, I'm very into natural disaster and apocalyptic scenario, you know? I hope to stand on a mountain one day and watch the ocean roll in. I, I pray to God I get to see that, you know what I mean? But like, you know, I, I just I just always have been, I guess like uh, into that type of thing uh, for whatever reason, I guess, you know? And I guess it shows in the lyrics, but. You know, wild imagination, I guess
0: you could say. <laughs> or just paying attention, just eyes open, yeah, you know true. what I mean? Um, yeah. Depending on how you want to look at it. And and maybe this is a good time in the conversation. You know, and I always try to do the research. And, you know, with you guys in particular, being a Long Islander, I've been aware of several different projects over the years. And I wanted to clarify, maybe a good place to start right now would be to talk about 1776, uh, the um. band... Uh, You had the EP One Nation Under Attack in 2011, if I got that right. Maybe you could talk about what relationship that band has with tension and and clear up any confusion that listeners might have.
2: Well, what happened was when we started doing Me, uh, Ken, and Ron, uh, we were talking about doing tension as we were writing new stuff, but the message was a little bit different. That's where the political aspect, because tension was never... It was kind of touched on that type of stuff, but it was never as in-depth as far as like bill numbers and saying, hey, this is what this is about. Uh, So when we started doing that, we were like, maybe we should call it something else. The music was a little more metallic, I guess you could say, rather than what Tension was. Uh, It ended up merging and then we just kind of kicked the 76 name and, and became Tension later. But the original idea was to, hey, let's do a band that has a purpose of uh, of like exposing just things, you know what I mean? Like that have to do with, you know, conspiracy type stuff, you know, so rather than call attention and pigeonhole it and maybe uh, maybe pigeonhole pigeonhole is the wrong word. I don't know, maybe. But uh, we wanted to kind of uh, give it a new life, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? yeah yeah new project new idea life let's go back to the old one you know
0: (laughs) (laughs) well uh, speaking of which, maybe you guys could clear this up mike's not here uh but we do know that um you know you guys just mentioned tensions tension has new material in the works uh but just last year um mike rubino your singer uh fronted uh the band crime pays and they put out the corruption at its finest ep on Bandcamp. that's that's correct right that is correct. Sounds they to too. great. Yeah, he's awesome. still in the
2: band, he's still doing with them. He actually, okay. we, we both just went to New York. He actually dropped me off. I would have had him come, but he has his kids and, and a whole trailer full of stuff. But uh, basically, uh, Crime Pays, he's still doing. He, had, he just practiced, he's writing new songs and, and through. So it's gonna be like me, you know, with the Ice Cold Killers. We're gonna go back and forth to New York. We're still gonna do those bands. We're still gonna do whatever is uh, we want to deal with it, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, we just don't live in New York anymore, pretty much. Huh. So, Prime pay still exists. It's a very great band, uh, has a lot of great potential, they're all good dudes and, uh, you know, I, I could see definitely a prosperous or just a, yeah. a good musical future for them, I guess you could say.
0: Yeah, uh, definitely building off of the legacy. And, um, you know, when you have a listenership, when you have fans from a long-running band, it's always good to have those side projects to keep people engaged and keep your message out there, uh, like a family-style thing. And, um, you know, I should mention here, it's because, you, you know, you talk about living in New York, you talk about uh, relocating from New York and things like that. Uh, you guys do have the TensionHardcore, uh, one word, .com, TensionHardcore.com website, which is a very well-curated yep. website. All your albums are there for download, merch, biography, yada, yada. Um, and it made the research very easy for this episode. I believe one thing that was mentioned there was how you guys speak up about corruption and local politics here on Long Island. Um, or maybe that was in an interview, but I definitely heard you guys reference that. Could you get into that, and did that play a part in band members moving off of Long Island?
3: Um, that's more
2: 1776, though I would say. Right? Yeah, well, that's just me in general. Is it's a matter of like uh, I move. And it's not about politics on Long Island. It's about globalism. It's about their goals and what they're doing and how they brainwash the public and how uh, the media is a tool of that. It's like, you know, CNN teaches uh, Japanese, uh, Fox teaches Mexican, and then they send them off into an argument based on one buzzword, and nothing gets accomplished except like a divide and conquer tactic now you hate your friend that you grew up with that you fought with pretty much every weekend and bled for now you hate him because of some fucking weird comment on facebook and it's it's just uh it's uh you know this whole coronavirus thing came off and and i knew they were shutting the economy down and i knew that it was never going to go back to normal i knew that that was it i knew that i was gonna have to close my shop and take my family and get out, because I knew what their goals and plans were from here on out, and New York is not safe for my children, so I I up and left. I left my house, I left my business, I left everything. Still have the stuff, I'll figure it all out and work, but, you know, I mean what I say. I live by the code, and and
3: I got my sign, and I left. Yeah, and I I moved down 10 years ago to Charlotte um, because I saw the writing on the wall. it was just time to go uh, and the amount of money it costs to live there the taxes the politics it's just i don't know it's it's a tough place to live i love it i miss things about it i miss the pizza i miss my friends i miss the hardcore scene but moving away from there was the best thing that i've ever done for me and my family for sure
0: wow and that that's a common sentiment um amongst a lot of long islanders nowadays uh you know without even you know and uh you know with all due respect to the conversation without even wading into um uh like we say a political discussion uh long island has some of the most corrupt local politicians uh whichever side of the of the the debate they're on um and a lot of them have recently been exposed in the news you can look it up it's all there um yeah you know from small townships to county executives and and all sorts of things uh it's it's really been all coming out of the wash the last few years yeah, um, even not political, in a straight traffic sense, uh, it's frustrating. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, yeah, yeah. The congestion, you know, there's, there's all that. But I mean, before we just completely deep six Long Island uh, for the night, you I'm know, going I, d- I'm
1: going down with the shit Yeah,
0: because well, uh, we still live here, guys. We're getting depressed. I'm in <laughs> over here. But, but no, we, we appreciate your perspective because I don't think you guys are alone in that perspective um, from Long Islanders and uh, you know Long Islanders who may be considering moving nowadays. It, it is an issue. Uh, and and kind of getting back to the conversation uh, Well, more. can I
2: tell you this real quick? Just I don't want to interrupt, but Shoot. it's yeah. not a Long Island issue. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's an entire country issue. Mm-hmm. I didn't move thinking I was going to escape anything. I just moved where I would be in a better position to defend myself, where it's legal to defend myself, where I can defend my life if I feel threatened. You know what I mean? In New York, I cannot do that. It's frowned upon. But here, if somebody comes to my door looking to put an injection and a microchip into my child, I know that here, I know what I have to do and and it's, it's well within my right to do so and I know that I have a good chance in a court of law against that, you know? So in New York, it's not that way. I wanted to have ground beneath my feet. I basically just wanted to reposition my assets. Do I think I escaped anything? No, it's gonna happen with the entire country. You know what I mean? but I just wanted to be in a better position to be able to defend my children, you know? If that makes sense.
0: Yeah, um, and well, with respect to, to that perspective on things and that decision, uh, cause this is something I've been talking about with other friends of mine, uh, you know, t- talking about the future and stuff like that. What interest do you have then in recording a new Tension album and continuing on with music? Uh, do you see a future for that? Absolutely. Um, Now that everybody's down here, except for
3: Ken, um, Ken is still in New York, the guitarist. I mean, this is a perfect time for us to put out a new album, consistent with our messaging that we've always had. Um, There are some things that are much easier nowadays between website and Spotify and Apple Music. It's a lot easier to get our music out there without going anywhere physically um so i i just think now is a good time uh we haven't really done anything in a while and me personally i'm super focused on getting a message out there and you know trying to grow this band we're always looking to grow
2: but another thing is that the band is basically a family band so it's like, we don't have to be an active band. We just do what we do when we feel like doing it, I guess you could say. Yeah. And it's, it seems to work with for us. So as far as like a future in music, uh, it's not really, it's just us pretty much doing, we'd like, hey, I have some ideas, I have some songs, let's, let's write a record, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yep. It's pretty much as easy as that, you know? This, if I have something that, I think, uh, or Mike has something that you know needs to be said. Something we think needs to be said. Then there's your inspiration for for a record, you know.
3: Yeah. And people still care. You know, we did our 25th anniversary show last summer, and it went really, really well. I hadn't played a tension show in a decade. Um, you know, Juan was was playing for the longest time, and it was very eye opening for me to play a show and see everybody from the 90s. I mean, I know we're all getting older, but it, there's such a strong connection there that I think it would be stupid and silly of us to waste that. It's still it's still tangible. So I, I think it would be silly for us to not.
0: Yeah,
2: Plus, it's all we know. I've, yeah. That's all I've ever done since I was a kid was music, you know? So it's like, I just want to play. I'm not going to get into anything new now. I'm too old. So it's like, why not keep doing what we were doing? Yeah. And uh, that's that's our thing, you know?
0: Yeah, um, and I, I definitely see what you're saying. I guess what I was getting at was, uh, you know, I have a, um, a friend who's in a band and they're gearing up to record an album now. And one of his bandmates, um, I don't know if he believes specifically all the same details you do, but he's he's pretty much ready for the world to end and for civilization as we know to end. And I said, at that point, why would you be concerned with recording a new album? Uh, you know what well, I mean?
2: You guys mentioned the Titanic before, right?
0: Yeah, buddy, you, you're playing, playing all the way down.
2: That's how it happened in the real, real life. But in the movie, the band went down playing on the ship, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So why not? What else are we going to do? Just wait for it? Let's, let's play. It. Let's play. You know.
1: I do think it. the best art comes out of times of conflict and uncertainty. And, and, uh, of course. Everybody's happy all the time. You, you know, you're painting rainbows. So it's, then we it's, go, bands. You know. Right?
0: <laughs> do it till the wheels fall off. Right. That's what they said. About flower know? patches. Yeah. True. Yeah. 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 Well, wow, man. Um, You know, I'm not surprised that the conversation got here. We can get deeper. We can go deeper. (laughs) Yeah, no. Well, we definitely could get deeper, but being respectful of your guys' time, um, you know, you did give us an idea of how long you wanted to go for tonight, uh, and and I'm glad that we were able to cover what we covered, uh, but being respectful of your time, uh, maybe we could get into just quickly, if you guys could each take a minute and recommend uh, one older release and one newer release by any artist you like uh, for the listeners. Wanna go first?
3: No, you go first. Um, so one band from the nineties that I've recently rediscovered um, since I've been, you know, building my Spotify playlists with bands that I love from back in the day. Still suit uh, at the speed of light is one of the best albums. And recently, I guess I'm a little bit older and more mature musically. Uh, man, that that's such an awesome album. I highly recommend it. Great bass playing. Um, and as far as new stuff, I'll, I'll plug Crime Pays again. I think Crime Pays is, is really, you know, the next big thing, I think.
2: Yeah, they have to have such great potential, I think. If, uh, if live music ever becomes a thing again, I, I suggest checking them out for sure. Right on. Oh, but also, as far as me, I, you know, I, I like, uh, as far as old, I, I like Cause for Alarm, Killing Time, uh social distortion sheer terror that's stuff that people could check out uh as far as new car bomb parade's a great band uh enziguri is a great band great name Uh, coming out from the bronx um you know we i I still play so i play with i I was playing with a lot of these newer bands coming up and there's there's some pretty good ones coming up uh We got the Diamond Dogs from uh, Pennsylvania, South Class Veterans from Jersey is a great band, Uh, Hellbound Hitmen from Boston, Uh, Street Dogs from Boston. Uh, The list can go on, I guess you could say, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. No, that's all. we just always ask for a few recommendations for the listeners so they could say the guys from Tension told me to check this out. Um, and, oh, and uh, shameless self-promotion. You can check out my band, the Ice Cold Killers. <laughs> okay, yeah. yeah, there we go. Yeah, the Ice Cold Killers, Crime Pays. Uh, when people go back and look at Tension, they can look at 1776, a lot of projects. And something I brought up before, uh, maybe you guys could just quickly go over, what's the status now of Two Kings Barbershop?
2: Uh, well, again, that was that's one of the reasons I moved was... Uh, once this whole COVID situation started and um, my employees got scared and they kind of they kind of left the week before and then they shut me down. But as soon as I heard Disney shut down, I'm like, that's the most greedy corporation in the world. They're not just shutting down. I'm like, something's up. You know, I'm like, this isn't lasting 14 days. I'm like, Bill Gates is already talking about a vaccine and just all this weird shit. I'm like, you know, I'm like uh, Cuomo's a psychopath as well when it comes to vaccinations and shit. he took away parental rights in New York before all this happened. Uh, but I shut down and I just happened to get this house out in North Carolina. And we're like, you know what, my kids aren't in school, the, the, the shop is shut down, let's try it out. We'll see how it is, if things clear up, we could come back or we don't have to, you know. And when I came down here, I was like, I'm never coming back. Huh. You know, as soon as I found out that we had to wear masks and trace our customers, I'm like, I am not doing any of that shit, you know? No fucking way.
0: All right, well, there you have it. And, uh, you know, we appreciate you being, uh, keeping it real with us. Um, and, you know, I just wanted to ask, because we've spoken to a number of local business owners and things like that, and uh, show promoters, people like that. So I, you know, since the this whole thing started, so I just wanted to get your perspective on that, knowing you, at this point, were a local business owner here, so um guys well, also real real quick yeah, yeah and i think in all fairness i was ready to retire a few years ago
2: okay so i mean i was looking for a way out already and to be honest as shitty of a situation it is uh it it kind of worked out in my favor to be honest i mean aside from having to sell my shop and my house now up there still and deal with all that shit i wanted to move anyway i never would have unless a situation like this happened you
0: know yeah yeah let well, cool. to Steve working like you know every day and just being whatever you know yeah man and uh and uh, you know with all this this bullshit going on man we wish you guys the best um and we, you know we mentioned tensionhardcore.com is um like i said it's a great website if people are interested because all the albums are there available for purchase and preview uh there's photos there's biography of the like a pro- professional press kit all this sort of thing um and uh is there anything else that we forgot to plug guys
3: um, I mean, right now I'm super focused on Spotify, so if people can check us out on Spotify and follow us there, um, that's where we're going to drop our new single there when we're ready to release it, so definitely check us out on Spotify. I got to say about Dave though, I hate social media, so the tension,
2: Instagram never did anything, I never used the tension Facebook unless it was like a show, since he's started it, I, I've watched, this, watched it build so he's doing really good with the whole spotify thing and uh, keeping up with all that stuff
0: so it'll probably be better
2: up to date at this point i would say
0: i'm i'm that guy over here i I, justin my co-host here handles the the instagram i don't you know i don't know anything about that sort of thing
1: i I, it's a necessary evil man i hate that i hate this because that's what's tracking you more so than anything else you know so uh
3: we're all weird about it I've learned it's all all about staying top of mind right I mean that's the only way to survive nowadays you gotta be in in front of everybody's face relevance constantly
2: yeah Yeah. everyone's fighting for their popularity in the digital box right now there
1: you go you you said that before about uh, shows back in the day everybody was taping it couldn't like tapes as easily as you can you
0: know yeah retweet yeah. a video <laughs> right now <That's... laughs> well, but speaking you know just quickly speaking about all those old tension videos i was watching on youtube and almost every one of them your singer is saying okay guys next week uh vod uh at uh you know this place and and then next week you know you got to announce the shows that are coming up otherwise people would have no way of knowing about them like imagine right. imagine that in this world you know it's crazy to think about how, th- how much things have changed
3: I'll just tell you real quick. Hard work pays off when you hand out flyers and all that stuff, you know? And we used to put a lot of thought into promoting what's coming up. Like, we would write out, first we would write out what's coming up, and then we would try to acknowledge people that were at our show, and we would give shout, Mike would give shout-outs to different people and different bands. It was always important for us to to thank people for being supportive and just being there in general. Crowd interaction. Yeah. You know? They're one. Without
2: them, you're nothing. That's right. the way I look at it. You know. Well,
1: that's that's a big reason why it's paying off all these years later, and people still care. You know.
2: Exactly. Yes. You Thank know, you. And, and it shows. And I and, and that's why we still do it. You know, if people care. We do it. We like doing it. We like. You know, we're always going to be in each other's lives anyway. So it's not like a, a breakup where the band is done. We it's just whatever, whenever, however. I guess you could say.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that gets back to that whole. Uh, uh, sentiment about um unity uh in the hardcore scene that we were talking about before. Um Dave and Joe from Tension uh and that's Tension with an asterisk or Tension LIHC if you're trying to look it up on the internet for all the young people. Uh tensionhardcore.com. We really appreciate your time guys and appreciate you guys making the effort to get on the horn with us here. Uh we know you had a, a big commute coming down today and all that sort of thing, man. So thanks very much to you guys and uh, just any last words to Tension fans and listeners of our podcast.
3: Well, Will and Justin, we just want to thank you guys. We were supposed to do this, you know, a couple months ago, and you've been real patient as we adjust to North Carolina, so thank you. Um, If I wanted to say anything to Tension fans is, you know, we love you guys, and thank you for still caring, and we're going to put out the best new release that we can for you guys. And you're all going to hate it. (laughs) Yep.
0: (laughs) awesome thanks a lot guys um we'll be we'll be in touch as the episode is uh is uploaded and all that sort of thing thank you so much man no problem man get some get some sleep man you had a long day <laughs>
1: yeah oh i plan on it man
0: thank you stretch right. those
1: legs out man yeah what a draft
0: yeah man see you soon thank all the you best guys, guys. Take good, easy. have a good night man uh thanks a lot to dave and joe from tension uh and that's tension with an asterisk at the end as we as we said uh classic long island hardcore band i really appreciate their candor uh them being so blunt and honest uh and outgoing about the way they feel man um i felt it was an interesting conversation glad we got them in yeah
1: me too man uh good insight on uh long island hardcore and and, in the beginnings and uh glad that they're
0: keeping on you know
1: where they are now safe and sound
0: Yeah, uh, really interesting to go back and listen to the music, um, knowing kind of the the perspectives of the band members, you know, talking about that nuclear war phobia, nightmares going on, Sarah Connor, and, uh, you know, the guys obviously have some, uh, you know, very um, uh, convicted political beliefs nowadays, man, really interesting band, always makes for some uh, very interesting music. Hell yeah. Uh, Speaking of interesting music...
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, Will, what do you got
0: today? I'm interested in music. Uh, I'm interested in what you have. I'm interested in where the fuck Tom is. What's going on That's with this That's my guy? favorite hey. question all time. Where's, where's Tom? Tom? Where's he at? Uh, call up his girlfriend. Call up his dog. Somebody knows where this guy is. Where's Tom? But in the meantime, uh, I'm going to do a bonus um, recommendation tonight. I'm talking about two of them. And my brand new one is uh, the band Altar of Gore, which I believe is based out of New Jersey, uh, with their new release, Obscure and Obscene Gods. Yeah, this is uh, this is a pretty crazy release. Um, Acolyte of the Foul Ones is the name of the mysterious individual behind all instruments and vocals on this brand new release. Uh, apparently, it's a full length that has been released uh, after a demo. I got to go back and peep the demo, but I really enjoyed this. This is has this has that kind of like um, classic impetigo. Maybe like blood from Germany, just that old school gore grind feel. Maybe before uh, the, the 90s, like uh, total grind core surge, but when gore grind was something more akin to early death metal and creepy old carcass general surgery, I just, I just really enjoyed this uh, metal of death vibe going on, gore grind appeal with the vocals and the aura. Uh, just a really sick release. Uh, and uh, from one guy putting it all together for you, too. See that cover art too. Cover art is uh, like kind of classic. It's just, uh, you know, everything about this. It actually reminded me a little bit of um, maybe like a a more raw version of some of the old. Razorback Records bands, yeah, where they have that appreciation, uh, you know, for the classic gore grind. We've talked about gruesome stuff, relish, machetazo, uh, those type of bands before on the podcast. This is kind of in that vein. Uh, again, I bring up Impetigo. I, I just really like this man. It's got that B horror movie vibe from the the early '90s that I love, and this kind of just keeps all that sort of stuff fresh and keeps that sentiment in mind. So I had to bring you this. All right, Justin,
1: what's going on with you over there? See, you know, we do this sometimes, so um, drawing the common thread, this is another one-man project. Ooh. Uh, I have Hell Ripper from Aberdeen, Scotland. Hmm. Uh, the, we're listening to the song Vampire's Grave off of the new record The Affair of the Poisons coming out <laughs> October of this year on Peaceful Records. Uh, second LP from, like I said, the one-man project led by James McBain. Hmm. Uh, we got super quick, blackened,
0: British heavy fucking metal. Uh, yeah. Yeah, this is with it. This, it reminds me of that, like we always say, that first wave black metal, the yep. Venom types. Yeah. It's it's like that with
1: the new wave of British heavy metal kind of mm. vibe. Totally in the vein of Venom, Sodom, Motorhead, Creator. Yeah, kind Motorhead. Of right yeah, there. this
0: is just rocking, man.
1: Uh, this man, James, is uh, completely nailed the production of that sound. Uh, he plays everything on it, which is super fun. Uh, it does look like he forms a full band to play live. There's a couple of videos on YouTube of doing some, some festivals out in Europe. I like it when they do
0: that, the one-man yeah, bands. Yeah, and cool. uh,
1: I am all about this
0: artwork right here for, the, for this record,
1: so please go and check that out. Um, this is just so
0: pure old school, man. I love yeah, dude. It. dude, you're on a roll because you recommended that Siege column an episode or two ago. You're back here with this Hell Ripper. This is just all, it all has that pure 80s vibe. Look mm-hmm. at this cover art, man. I'm it's get, great. Yeah, I'm getting ready for my denim jackets in the fall. Ah, uh, yeah, is denim jacket dude, for sure, so, yeah.
1: It's going to be hard to dude. keep
0: the sleeves on listening to this, though. I just, well, this makes me want to be in an 80s movie where I'm riding a motorcycle with my vampire girlfriend. Yeah, dude, just driving through yeah. old
1: TVs and stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. So, uh, yeah, like I said, this artwork, 100% on point. Uh, it's got this, you know, drawing these threads again, this B-horror movie vibe. Uh, totally fits the sound and the time period that it emulates. Uh, done done by some na- some man named uh, Skadoob, Skadoolador, hmm. Skadoolador. Okay, um, If you can sound that out, he's on Instagram. Check him out. Lots of cool artwork.
0: But fucking Hell Ripper. Hell Ripper rips. That's how you remember it. This is this is for when you're like drinking the beers, doing the little satanic ritual in the woods with your cutoff vest. So this is awesome man 100% All right, Will. All right. Wow. Pulling over my motorcycle now uh, from that <laughs> Hell Ripper experience, flipping the collar up on my uh, denim, <laughs> denim jacket. Uh, no, seriously, um, both those bands that we just talked about kind of took you back nostalgically with their sound and their look and all that. I'm going to take you back nostalgically with the actual release. I want to talk about Incubus, now known as Opprobrium, and mm. we'll get into that with their album Beyond the Unknown from 1990. So I've heard of this band, Incubus. Uh-oh. Yeah, been, yeah, right? yeah. They uh, they got really happy and moved to California in the '90s. No, come on. Um, this is actually one of the formative uh, classic death metal bands of the late '80s and early '90s, um, formed by the Howard brothers, who moved to Louisiana from Brazil um, and formed the band Incubus. Which, unfortunately, later on in the '90s, as we've talked about um, in our Christian death metal episode. Uh, because they are, I believe, a Christian-themed band. Although they're not really overtly with that theme, but yeah. the, you know that's there. Um, they came back in the '90s, and the you know pop rock band Incubus was there with their whole you know Warner Brothers or whatever record label legal team. And these guys changed the band name to Opprobrium. O P P R O B R-I-U-M, which doesn't really roll off the tongue like Incubus. Oh, I, I didn't know they got the law involved. Uh, right? I don't know if there was a court case or whatever, Allegedly. but I just believe that they came back and they were like, ah, uh, those guys are on MTV. I don't know if I want to yeah, okay. get weighed in. Uh, we've actually I've reached out to them behind the scenes. I will reach back out to them. Hopefully we can get them on one day. It'll be good to talk to one or both of the brothers. Yeah, um, But for right now, uh, you know, aside from talking about what they're doing now and talking about the whole name debacle that they got into, this Beyond the Unknown album in 1990 by Incubus is classic death metal. Um, if you listen to it at first, the first few seconds, or you have it on in the background, you might say, yeah, I like old death, I like old Sepultura, I like the classic Pestilence. This is right up there with that sort of thing. But when you really dig in and you digest this as an album and listen to the songs and the... the the um, The 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 interplay between the guitar and the drums. This is a beautiful death metal album. Um, It's got riff after riff after riff. It does not stop. The production uh, is really good. It's 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 raw. It's old school, but for for its time, I feel like it might have been ahead of its time a little bit in terms of the clarity. Um, It's it's just a perfect death metal album in my humble opinion. And one that I think gets overlooked, I really feel like this band Incubus, maybe because of the name uh, Mm -hmm. dilemma that they had and all that sort of thing, and they kind of had a a little period in the '90s where they lost steam and they weren't as consistent. Uh, But when you talk about those classic death metal bands that I brought up, uh, you know, even Possessed, Necrophagia, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Incubus deserves, um, I believe, wholeheartedly to be in that conversation. And this album is a good example of why. Yeah, thank you for this. I'm I'm guilty of overlooking.
1: This particular incubus, for sure. Um, (laughs) Yeah, yeah. the (laughs) the other one everybody knows. I feel terrible about it now, but yeah, thanks for bringing this in because I'll be delving.
0: I I feel like these guys are kind of like, I I feel like a kinship with them because I have the name Will Smith, and I'm just living my life trying to forge my way as the death metal Will Smith, and these guys were the death metal incubus, and they got knocked out, the much like me at like nine or ten years old, I found out there's this famous Will Smith. These guys, a couple albums into their career, found out there's this other incubus, you know, so it had. But listen, um, we got to celebrate them. Uh, and, uh, you know, go back and check out this Beyond the Unknown album. It's it's, uh, it's really good death metal and definitely ahead of its time. Listen to the guitar work and also listen to the vocal work. I want to say that the vocal patterns and the vocal work on this were definitely ahead of its time. Uh, a little bit more intricate than what you would expect from your typical crossover death thrash at the, at the time. And, uh, again, something that's got to be taken into consideration for the for, for 1990. Sure, yeah, for sure. Even if this came out in,
1: like, 93, it'd still be special, you know
0: yeah exactly you know which three years doesn't sound like a big time but for death metal back then when everything was uh percolating and new this was ahead of the curve man and i love i love the idea of the band where it's for the most part these two brothers with different uh uh you know bandmates who've helped them throughout the years and they they moved to brazil uh they moved from brazil to the united states and forged their way in the kind of uh uh, you know formative years of death metal and they're still doing it they, they have new material out now you can check out little uh, little helpful hints for the collectors I know that some of their albums are going for more than reasonable prices at <laughs> Hell's Headbangers make your investments now yeah yeah Incubus, nowadays known as Opprobrium, um, and all their old albums have been reissued under the name Opprobrium, I think there's Remastering and all that sort of thing, you could look it up, Uh, they're still around, they have newer material since that album, Uh, definitely something to dive into, and another thing to dive into, uh, much the same way, Tension, Long Island Hardcore, you can go to tensionhardcore.com, all of their albums are up there, um, and older material, you can... Uh, buy directly from the band. There's also some merchandise and some T-shirts from years past, pictures, all that sort of thing. And uh, uh, you, new stuff percolating. So yeah. definitely uh, keep tabs. You know, keep yeah, checking in. yeah. Keep checking back. Keep keep waiting for that tension to break, um, so to speak. And you know, but uh, all, all kidding aside, we thank Dave and Joe for joining us uh, on the program. We wish them the best of luck. Um, with uh, the future in general and with their newer material, we're going to keep our eyes peeled. We were looking for that episode for a long time. Always, get to, always good to get that old-school Long Island flavor. And we try to keep uh, bringing, bringing you back to old-school Long Island, where we're from every once in a while on the podcast, even though we branch out and get, get your people from all over. Absolutely. It was you know. a
1: pleasure. Uh, yeah, thanks, guys, again. And, uh, yeah, glad we finally put this together.
0: Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, a little bit more elbow room without Tom here, huh? You know, where is
1: Tom is the question of the yeah. day. Yeah, yeah. But- like- Another question is, where can you buy Heavy Hole uh, merch? Uh, do we have merch?
0: No, we don't. <laughs> no, on, on eBay, if somebody else bought it while it was available. It's because, big of a question. Because all you great listeners bought out those sticker packs, and we appreciate it. We are working on new merch. We want to take our time and make sure that it's uh, the finest quality. Uh, the, the best putting our best foot forward so to speak yeah and uh, you know you'll you'll be um, aware of that we're also kind of revamping the patreon we want to um, uh, thank all of our patreon pledges for bearing with us while we kind of revamp some of the perks and some of the different tiers you can do on patreon we want to get more into that uh, not because we're greedy we're money grubbing podcasters we want to uh, we want to kind of make more uh, bonus content and more extras <laughs> I'm I'm not spending the Patreon money on weed. That's just an allegation. (laughs) But we want to spice it up for you guys um, that are willing to uh, contribute to the podcast a little bit more. We've bought these nice microphones. We're investing in gear. Maybe when live music comes back, if it comes back, we'll be able to go to some shows and cover that um, with your contributions. And in the meantime, we're going to build that up by giving you the best possible bonus content we can. So we're going to be uh, back in another episode updating you about that. Also follow the social media. If you want to follow the social media, though, you go to heavyholepodcast.com. That's right. It's yep. so easy to do. Uh, you know the name of the podcast. Put a little dot com next to it,
1: and and check it out. You know, and like I said, enjoy the rest. Well, not I said, but uh, you know, we're saying enjoy the rest of your summer. You know, enjoy those those days that when they're still warm right now, because in the fall we're gonna be uh, holding you into the hole a little bit with all of this fun shit that we would be putting out uh, on Patreon, on the YouTube. And on heavyholepodcast so uh, enjoy it while while you can.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. As soon as fishing season is over, I'm going to be holed up in my bedroom making <laughs> bonus episodes for you guys. I promise. Um, and speaking of holed up in their bedroom, man, Tom, I'm I really. It's like cold in here without Tom. I miss Tom. I hope we have him back. Yeah. If you um, see Tom,
1: uh, you know, go to heavyholepodcast dot com and uh, get, check that phone number out. Call us up. Let, let me. If you see Tom, I don't know. Maybe there's a tall silhouette, you know, at the bagel store next, you know, tomorrow morning. Uh, maybe you just catch a glimpse of him, you know, like that 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 Bigfoot video. Just let us know, man. If you see him around, we're looking for him.
0: Yeah, and um, you know, tell him that uh, the other guys, Justin and Will, did a good job with this episode, even though we were down. How many people? One.